For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Der Show. Uh, lots of new legal developments um, surrounding uh, politics. Uh, we'll talk about um, the Menendez indictment. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the Hunter Biden indictment. But uh, first, I want to start with yesterday's breaking news, and that is that Donald Trump was found civilly guilty. That is no prison time, but a very, very large fine and other large economic consequences uh, for fraudulently, the court claimed without a jury trial, uh, fraudulently um, overvaluing uh, some of his property. But among the properties, the court found that he overvalued was Mar-a-Lago. Um, he valued it as several hundred million dollars, I think $600 million or something like that. And the court said that, no, the, the tax assessment of Mar-a-Lago was only between 18 and $27 million. I'll tell you what, if he wants to sell it to me for 18 to $27 million, I'll borrow the money and buy it because I could sell it tomorrow for hundreds of millions of dollars. So, um, yeah, the judge found that Trump overvalued, but I find that the, that the judge undervalued. Um, you can't value a property based on, on tax assessments. Uh, you value a property based on what it could sell for. And the experts on that are obviously real estate people. Um, there have been uh, pieces of property near Mar-a-Lago, much smaller, much less valuable that are on the market for $200 million, not not 18 or 27 million dollars. So I think the judge has to go back to accounting school and do a little bit more research on how you evaluate uh, unique properties like uh, Mar-a-Lago. And, and I bet you that the value was a lot closer to what Trump put on it than what the judge put on it. But we'll 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 wait and see. Um, and uh, uh, there'll be appeals, um, obviously. All right. So Menendez, uh, Robert Menendez, senator from New Jersey, a very good senator, um, chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, has done a lot of good things um, for the United States and on behalf of the United States in foreign affairs and foreign relations. Uh, he's been um, indicted um, uh, for taking um, money and, and gold bars and cars and gifts in exchange for uh, doing favors for people, um, including the Egyptian government, etc., um, we'll wait and see. There's a presumption of innocence there as well. Um, we don't know what the facts will will show, but uh, many Democrats are now saying, "See, see, the Justice Department really is fair. It's equal. It's just." It indicted a Democrat, a Democratic senator. Now, the fact that the senator has been a pain in the neck to President uh, Biden and to the Democrats in general 
because of his stance against the Iranian nuclear deal uh, and other uh, positions that the administration favors, that that has been deemed irrelevant. But um, is the indictment of Menendez proof that the Justice Department is engaging in equal justice? Well, my view is maybe it's proof that they're engaging in equal injustice. Um, you know, I've read the indictment in the Menendez case, and the important thing is not what you read in the indictment. That's just dry uh, words. But the indictment and the show and tell that was put on when the indictment was made public includes these, these pictures now, which are indelibly in the mind of every potential juror and every potential uh, witness, the pictures of gold bars. A lot of people have gold bars, especially small gold bars like this. And then there's the pictures of his jacket with his name on it, with cash spread out uh, on the jacket. Now, I doubt that the jacket was found that way by the FBI. This has all the earmarks of a staged picture, a picture staged by the FBI or staged by the U.S. attorney in order to influence the potential jury pool and perhaps influence the judge and perhaps influence uh, witnesses. If that sounds familiar to you, um, it should. Uh, remember the photograph that appeared in the indictment of Donald Trump uh, in Mar-a-Lago. There, too, there was a staged photograph of uh, classified material spread out on the floor um, with an emphasis on the first of those uh, items uh, that says, you know, secret, 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 secret. These are images that can never, never be erased. They are indelibly in the mind of jurors. And uh, although I don't think either of these pictures will be admissible um, in, in court, when the trial occurs, you never know, but they'd have to show that they were authentic pictures, not stage pictures they will have a major impact on, on jurors. Jurors will always remember. Oh, yeah, we remember. We saw those pictures of classified material spread out all over the floor. That surely does seem to prove that um, he had classified material and he knew it. Or in the Menendez case, they'll say, yeah, we, we, we remember. We remember the pictures of the gold bars and the car and, and particularly that jacket with his name on it with cash uh, coming out of the pockets, but were, was the cash in the pockets or was it coming out of the pockets when the FBI actually uh, found it? That uh, we'll have to see if and when the case comes to trial and the government tries to introduce these or other photographs into, into evidence. I don't think that the Justice Department should be staging photographs. I don't think they should be showing photographs or showing that kind of evidence that have such an impact on jurors and judges and witnesses. Why do I say witnesses? Because if witnesses are on the fence, which side do we go to? Should we side with Menendez? Uh, should we testify for him? Or should we make a deal with the government? If they think the government has a slam dunk case that is going to win, obviously they're going to be more inclined to make a deal with the government. So these staged pictures um, potentially have a real impact, judges, jurors, witnesses, and that's their intention uh, to influence the court of public opinion. And I don't think prosecutors should be doing that. 
I don't think prosecutors should be trying their cases in the court of public opinion. You may answer, well, well, Donald Trump tries his case in the court of public opinion. He's entitled to. He has a First Amendment and a Sixth Amendment right to defend himself in the court of public opinion. The government doesn't have First Amendment rights. The government doesn't have Sixth Amendment rights. The government's interest is supposed to be only in producing a just result. And a just result is less likely when you have these kinds of photographs uh, spread out. So in, instead of proving equal justice, maybe these two cases, Menendez and Trump, prove equal injustice. Um, yeah. How about the, the Biden case? Well, we don't know what the Biden case really is yet. All we know is that he's been indicted for a gun charge, three gun charges relating to his acquiring or possessing a pistol while he was um, using drugs. But we really don't know how that case is going to uh, play out. But the mere fact that there have been indictments of Democrats and Republicans doesn't show that there's uh, equal equal uh, justice. Um, what it shows is that the Justice Department can play dirty pool against Democrats and Republicans, against people from Biden's side and people from Trump's side. We'll have to wait and see how the cases unfold before we decide whether there's justice or injustice. Now, in the Menendez case, I don't really know uh, Senator Menendez, uh, but I like his positions. He's one of the few Democrats who really is a centrist and somebody who's pragmatic and somebody who doesn't go with the squad and somebody who doesn't necessarily follow orders from on the top, which was proved by the unwillingness of Menendez to vote for the Iran deal that was the terrible Iran deal that was pushed through by, by, by President Obama uh, without really even a vote in the Senate. As you know, I believe that the, that the Iran deal was a treaty. And I read the Constitution um, as it was written. And the Constitution says that a treaty requires two-thirds of the Senate to approve it. And there were not two-thirds of the senators willing to approve that treaty. So instead, it was pushed through as an executive order. And there was a vote. And it was a majority vote. And Menendez dissented and uh, didn't vote with the uh, uh, with the majority, neither did uh, neither did Senator Schumer. So it was not anything like um, the entire Democratic Party supporting it. And 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 Menendez has been a pain, as as you know, uh, a pain to the to the to the Democratic leadership. As you know, Menendez was tried previously for something maybe not similar, but related. Um, it was alleged that he received benefits, financial benefits, in the form of vacations. And, uh, air flights, et cetera, in exchange for doing constituent favors for an old friend of his who was an optometrist and the jury hung. And then the Justice Department dismissed the charges and uh, he was completely uh, set free. Um, and, and that may happen here too. We don't know. These cases are much easier to try in the press than they are in the court of law. The court of public opinion doesn't have rules of evidence and you can uh, create uh, pictures that don't reflect uh, reality or reflect uh, staged perceptions of reality by the Justice Department rather than admissible evidence. So this is not a slam dunk. And as the result of that, uh, I support uh, Senator Menendez's decision 
not to resign. Many Democrats have urged him to resign. But I support his decision not to resign. If the presumption of innocence means anything, it means that you don't make decisions like that to uh, violate the will of the voters. The voters put him in office. He didn't decide to be in office just by himself. Uh, he was voted into office and, uh, and, and, and he shouldn't be forced to resign based on an indictment. We know the old saw that uh, the New York Court of Appeals chief judge said that uh, a grand jury, if a prosecutor wants to indict somebody, the grand jury will agree and indict a ham sandwich. And uh, the grand jury did indict here. And uh, we don't know what the grand jury saw. Did they see these pictures? Or did they see the real pictures of how the evidence was found? Was the, was the cash in the pockets? Um, you know, he says, uh, and, and, and we have to test that by cross-examination too. He says he comes from a Cuban refugee family. And when you're a Cuban refugee family, uh, you hide money to, in the event you want to leave. I know that uh, many Jewish um, uh, people in, in Europe in the eve of the Holocaust um, hid money and diamonds and, 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 and gold in order to escape. Abraham Lincoln's wife uh, had bonds uh, after her husband was assassinated. She had bonds that were worth a lot of money and she didn't trust banks. She sewed them into her dress. Um, so, you know, it, it, it doesn't prove guilt that you have cash stuffed in pockets. It might be relevant. It might be evidence if they can prove it. Uh, and I think they can because he's essentially admitted it. And having gold bars doesn't prove uh, guilt either. There are a lot of people every time you go on on Fox News, somebody's advertising gold. You need gold. We're going to have inflation. Our dollars are going to be worthless by gold, by gold, by gold. And you can buy these little gold bars. In fact, I just saw in the paper that after the picture appeared uh, of, of the gold in the Menendez indictment, um, people who sell gold bars, the small gold bars, one ounce gold bars that are worth around $2,000, uh, have sold out. <laughs> They've become very popular. They're now the Menendez gold bars. People are buying them. Obviously, not everybody who's buying them is, is hiding uh, um, uh, uh, money that was paid to them by bribery. Um, so let's maintain the presumption of innocence. Let's maintain a high degree of skepticism of the Justice Department. By the way, not just this Justice Department. I've been fighting the Justice Department since the day I got out of law school. First case I ever had was a case where we were able to prove that the Justice Department played around with tapes and, uh, and uh, I got my clients acquitted as a result of government misconduct. So I have been holding the Justice Department to a high standard in the adversarial system uh, for the last 60 years. And I'm not going to stop now. It doesn't matter to me whether it's a Democratic or a Republican Justice Department. As a defense lawyer, uh, my job is to always challenge uh, the Justice Department. Now they're challenging back. They're, look what they did yesterday, even in the fraud case involving the president. They held uh, two lawyers were subject to sanctions. They have to pay $7,500 each to some fund uh, because they said things the judge uh, disagreed with. As you know, I've been sanctioned by an Arizona judge because um, I demanded transparency in voting machines. And, um, uh, and uh, 
let's see what happens. I, I believe what I said. I think it was right. And, um, and um, uh, I'm obviously appealing uh, the order. But the point is that sanctions are now being used uh, against people, lawyers who have defended Trump. Uh, there's this group called the 65 Project that has overtly said, we're going to file bar complaints and other disciplinary matters against any lawyer who has anything to do with Donald Trump. And when I said I would defend anybody who was targeted by this neo-fascist McCarthyite group, what did they do? They filed the bar complaint against me. And so I'm fighting them. I'm fighting for the Constitution. I'm fighting for your rights as well as my rights. And I'm, I'm not going to give up. I'm too old to give up fighting against uh, the Justice Department, against others who would try to uh, deprive all Americans of their constitutional rights in the name of some end that they believe is justified. I think it was Justice Brandeis who once said, the greatest danger is to liberty lurk in men and women of zeal um, who will do anything uh, to achieve their results, but without understanding. And that's what's going on now. I think the Get Trump posse, in fact, I wrote my book, Get Trump, based on these considerations uh, that are now playing out, the Get Trump posse is uh, obviously willing to do anything to prevent Trump from regaining office, especially now that there have been some polls, maybe they're outliers, I don't know, uh, but there are polls now that show Trump ahead of Biden. It doesn't seem likely to me living in, in an area which is highly democratic, but um, that that may be, may be the case. And remember, too, that Trump doesn't have to win the popular election to become the president. He didn't win the popular election in 2016. He lost quite decisively, but he won the electoral uh, vote and he lost the popular vote even more decisively in 2020. And he came close in the electoral vote, uh, a matter of, you know, several tens of thousands of votes in either direction could have, you know, changed the results of that election as well. So it's not out of the question that Trump could be uh, elected um, 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 president, not with my vote, but with the votes of many Americans. And, and Americans have the right to vote for whoever they vote for. And I will support uh, as a loyal American, any president who was legitimately elected uh, president of the United States. Speaking of which, I would still like to see the appointment of an election commission of neutral, objective, non-political people who can assess any claims of election fraud, because I don't trust the current people who are assessing those claims. They are either Republicans in the House or Democrats in the Senate or judges who are appointed by Democrats or Republicans. I do think we need uh, an objective commission as they have in England, Israel, and many other countries, an election commission that could in real time assess all the claims of election misconduct or even not misconduct, just election mistakes. And so we can be assured that the 2024 election is not going to be subject to challenge because if we don't put something like that in place, it will be subject to challenge. Uh, we know that Donald Trump will challenge if he loses. And I assure you that if it's a close election and the Democrats lose, there will be challenges on their side as well. So I'm hoping we can preempt those and prevent them by the appointment of some kind of a commission that can oversee the election and make sure that whichever side you vote for, 
in the end, you'll be satisfied that the counting was clear and that the results were clear. And that if we're going to use election machines, um, we have to make sure that those election machines are subject to adversarial testing. Uh, there are lawsuits now, as you know, um, involving Dominion and Smartmatic and others. But as far as I know, they have not been willing to subject their uh, algorithms and their machines to, uh, uh, to adversarial testing. And unless that happens, uh, people of the United States are just not going to trust uh, machines. Artificial intelligence uh, may be the future of mankind, but um, Americans have to be able to trust uh, machines and, and machines that determine who the next president of the United States will be. So, um, yeah, uh, I am I, not thrilled about our state of uh, respect for the law today or the law itself today. And uh, let's see. Let's see. Keep an open mind. Be critical. Always be critical. Uh, was it Reagan who said trust but verify? I would change that a little bit. Distrust and verify. You know, show me, prove it to me. America has always been a skeptical country. Our citizens demand proof. They don't want to take orders from people. And so distrust and verify. That's our slogan. So let's take some, some questions. Um, you keep saying Ukraine is democratic, but fail to mention that uh, Z-Dog uh, canceled all elections. Well, elections are frequently canceled uh, temporarily during times of crisis and times of war. I wish there were elections and Zelensky would be overwhelmingly elected if there were an election. In Ukraine today, democracies are a matter of degree. Ukraine has never been the kind of democracy that the United States has been, but it's been a lot more democratic than, than Russia. Wait, wait, wait. 90 years old today implies that this Ukrainian guy, this is the guy who got honored uh, the other day by uh, Canada without a disclosure that he had been in the Waffen SS Galitzin Corps, which was a murderous uh, group of war criminals, that this guy was 18 in 1943 and 19 in 1944 and 20 in 1945. Um, you have no idea of the circumstances of his joining. I do. It was a volunteer army. I do have. Uh, 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 evidence of that. Or any participation in atrocities? Yes, we do know that the unit itself was involved in atrocities. Um, and you're eager to deport the guy 75 years after living in Canada? Yes, I am. I don't care if he's 110 years old. He doesn't deserve to live out his life in peace and in respect and shame on Canada for allowing him to do it. They knew, they had to know that a lot of these so-called Ukrainian heroes uh, were Nazis, and they allowed them to hide their Nazism and welcome them after saying that no Jews would be allowed to come in during the Holocaust, um, which um, leads me to another question related. Um, yeah, uh, the book was actually called None is Too Many. Remember, I talked about a book written by a very distinguished historian uh, named Irving Abella, whose wife happens to be a great judge in, in, in Canada. And he wrote the book called uh, None is Too Many, uh, in which he proved that the prime minister of Canada, Mackenzie King, uh, participated in the exclusion of Jews uh, from uh, Canada during the, the Second World War. The Canadian government uh, played a shameful, shameful role uh, 
and then immediately opened their doors to uh, Ukrainian uh, Nazis. And, um, you know, Canada is a great country. Everybody loves Canada. But Canada was an outrageous country between 1938 and 1948. And they have to be held to account for that. And people should make sure that they are held to account. Now, the Speaker of the House that honored this guy has been forced to resign. That's not enough. Uh, he should, the, the hero himself, the Nazi hero, uh, should be deported. I don't care if he's 98 years old. He should be uh, deported. He should be made to understand, and the people of Canada should be made to understand that you must be held to account for your for your actions. And uh, whether he was 20 years old or 21 years old or 19, when he volunteered to join what he knew was a Nazi brigade um, at a time when everybody knew that the Nazis were murdering Jews in Ukraine, there's no excuse for that. There's no justification for that. And he must be held to account for, for everything that he did. I don't care how young he was at the time or how old he is now, justice demands that we hold people to account for what they have done. Um, did Zelensky bring along this 98-year-old war hero? No, um, he didn't know about it at all. Apparently, everybody was caught by surprise. Trudeau, there's a picture of Trudeau clapping. There's a picture of Zelensky clapping. They didn't know who he was. Apparently, maybe the speaker did or maybe the speaker didn't. I don't know what the speaker's relationship is to uh, the, the person himself. But um, we know that Trudeau and Zelensky didn't know anything about it. All right. Richard the Lionhearted purged the Jews. You're right. In fact, I have a name for Richard. I call him Richard the Chickenhearted. Uh, Richard was an awful, awful king. Uh, he was the one who sent the Crusaders uh, down to kill and murder uh, thousands of people. Uh, unarmed people, women and children. That's not the lion-hearted. That's the chicken-hearted. So Richard should go down in history as somebody who was a, a mass murderer, a genocidal killer. But uh, yes, he did uh, purge the Jews and he killed many of them on the way to the Crusades, as did many of the Roman emperors like uh, Titus. When Saladin conquered Jerusalem, he debated the necessity of purging Jewish population. There was very little Jewish population at the time, but decided not to. Certainly the Inquisition persecuted Jews, especially in Spain and Portugal as well. The list goes on and on. Anti-Semitism is truly a medieval concept and should have died out centuries ago. Yeah, 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 it should have, but it didn't. And um, anti-Semitism is rearing its ugly head again. Uh, today it's called anti-Zionism, but it's essentially the same thing. There is only one nation state of the Jewish people. If there were only one nation state for African people and only that state were being picked on by the United Nations and by academics, we'd know what to call it. And the kind of anti-Zionism that says Zionism uh, sells us rotten meats on the, on the corner of 125th Street, that's using Zionism as a euphemism for, for Judaism and Malcolm X was guilty uh, of that, as were other black radical leaders and other uh, leftist leaders in the United States, even today. So anti-Semitism is not over and gone. Okay, <laughs> here's one that I like. Didn't Kissinger, remember I talked about Kissinger and Kissinger being Jewish, didn't Kissinger become an Episcopalian? No, no, he, he sat next to me in shul last year and in Hebrew recited the prayer for the dead for his parents. He's not an Episcopalian, but I have to tell you a funny story about that. So 
when I married my my beautiful and smart uh, wife, Carolyn Cohn from Charleston, South Carolina, my mother was sitting on the porch of uh, the Sterling Hotel, which was a kosher hotel in, um, in Miami Beach. And she overheard a conversation at the other side of the porch. Oh, that Dershowitz. Yeah, yeah. He, he's good on Israel. But why did he have to marry a non-Jew? And so my mother, of course, was at our wedding and knew that I married the daughter of Mordechai Cohen and, and, and Dorothy Cohen, um, active Jews in Charleston. She went over to the group and said, why are you? She didn't identify herself. Why are you saying that, uh, that Alan Dershowitz married somebody who wasn't Jewish? And they said, oh, well, we know that. They, they all do. Kissinger did. Uh, and then they name all, all the other Jews. And, 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 and Dershowitz did, too. And my mother said, well, I know for sure that, uh, that his wife, Carolyn Cohen, is, is Jewish. And the woman said, yeah, that's the story they're putting out. Uh, <laughs> Jews can be their worst enemies, and they, they often are. Okay, last question. Why save someone who has committed a brutal murder? So this is the man that I'm trying to save on death row. You'll notice again, I'm wearing my high tie, the tie that says life, the tie I wore when I helped save other people from death row. And I'm wearing this until this case gets resolved. He's scheduled to be executed on October 10th. Yes, he committed a murder. Um, it, brutal. Every murder is brutal. Uh, it was a carjacking and he shot the victim once and she died. Um, there are thousands of brutal murders every year, but why did he get the death penalty? He got the death penalty, as very few murderers do. He got the death penalty because he was accused, not formally, just by the prosecutor in this case, of having previously engaged in a carjacking, but he didn't. And the evidence is overwhelming that they made a mistake and they charged the wrong person for that. And also they predicted that he'd be violent and he's been in prison now for 20 years and hasn't had any violence against guards or fellow inmates or anyone else. So uh, I am defending this man. I am working very hard uh, to defend this man. And I hope I can save him, though it's very, very, very uphill. Most governors will commute only if you can make a plausible claim that the person himself is innocent of the underlying crime. We can't make that claim, and we're not going to make that claim. What we're saying is he should not be subject to the death penalty based on factors that have proved to be untrue, a prior a carjacking and a prediction of violence. So that's why I'm so deeply involved in this case. All right. Uh, see you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.